0: Good morning again. Our scripture reading for this morning is just one verse. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, you, uh, if you've been here, you know that we've been preaching through the book of Matthew. And, and last week, we actually looked at the whole story of the temptation of, of Jesus, that whole uh, narrative of Jesus in the wilderness. But in in preaching on the whole thing, you you know, sometimes you have to skim over verses that you wish you could spend more time on. So I I couldn't bring myself to pass by Matthew 4 verse 4 uh, without saying uh, a little bit more about it. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one from the back. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, feel free to take that Bible from the back, write your name in it, and, and keep it as your own bring it back week after week as we study God's word together. Uh, please pray with me uh, before we read. Father, we come before you uh, again. We, we long to hear from you. We, we need your word as we're about to hear from your word. Uh, we need it, and uh, we pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds and unstop our ears, that we would hear your word and receive it and take it in and be changed by it as we draw near to you uh, through your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But Jesus answered Satan, that is, Jesus answered Satan, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When was the last time you were hungry? And I mean really hungry. Not like I just ate three, four hours ago hungry, but but actually hungry. You know, we, I think most of the time in our culture, we don't know hunger the way many people do in the world, right? If we get hungry, we just stop at McDonald's and pick up a burger and fries, and then we're not hungry anymore, right? And and this gives us a very mechanical view of, of life, we think, well, we don't really need God to satisfy our hunger. We have McDonald's, right? And uh, even as Christians, we, we know that we need God to get us into heaven. But the journey there, oftentimes we think we can pretty much do on our own. You know, this is, it really is a common view. We fall into it every day, uh, that man pretty much lives by bread alone, uh, and Jesus will get us into heaven when we die, we wouldn't say that, right? I mean, I don't think that anybody would actually say that, but, but we live that. And even when I do hunger for bread, which perishes, I rarely hunger for Jesus. I mean, I wish I could say I hunger for Jesus, that I wish I could say I hunger for his grace, that I hunger for his word and for his mercy and for his love. But I normally hunger for things that the world has to offer because I think that they will actually sustain me, that they will satisfy. I mean, I hunger for food, thinking that it is sufficient to to sustain me bodily. I I hunger for human praise, thinking that it will sustain my spirit. I hunger for amazing movies and good music, thinking that they will satisfy my desire for transcendence. I have an appetite of, of body and of spirit, a longing for glory, But most days I seek to satisfy that hunger on whatever comes into my field of vision at the moment. Well, our text this morning confronts that. It confronts our over-reliance on the things of this world. It confronts our worship of created things. And it confronts the dullness of my heart to my true spiritual malnourishment. We're going to spend the next a bit of time together hopefully seeing how needy we really are so that we can develop an appetite and a hunger for God's Word. Our outline you can see uh, in your bulletin, on the back of the bulletin, is uh, pretty straightforward. We need bread. <laughs> will talk about that. We need bread. We need more than bread. We need God's sovereign Word, we need God's living Word, and we need God's written Word. First, uh, we need bread. You know, oftentimes uh, we read this verse very quickly and we read it as if it were denying that we need bread. But it doesn't do that. Uh, remember the context, right? Jesus is hungry. He's fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. Satan comes and he tempts him to turn stones into bread. And Jesus responds with Matthew 4:4. man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone alone, right? In fact, uh, we need it. We need food to sustain our bodies, don't we? And, and, and indeed, really, there are lots of things that we live by, lots of needs, genuine needs that we have, right? We have physical needs. We have physical need for food, for, for air, for shelter, right? We, we need those things, Uh, We have relational needs. Uh, Genesis 2, you may remember when God created man, the very first thing that God said was not good was that it was not good that man should be alone. Now, there's a sense in which man needs community. We need one another, if not to live, at least for the kind of life that God wants us to have. And if we had time, we could talk about other things that we need, couldn't we? We were created to have an appetite, not only for food or for community, but also for, for knowledge and beauty, even affirmation. Uh, think, think about the words that, the, the, that um, will one day be said to God's people. Shouldn't we long to hear this? Well done, good and faithful servant, right? We should long for that. We should hunger for it. We're really needier than we like to admit, But there are a few ways that we get our needs wrong, aren't there? Oftentimes, we just deny them outright. We we don't like being needy creatures. And so we pretend that we don't need people. We don't need beauty. We don't need learning. We don't need affirmation. We don't need any of those things, right? And as Christians especially, uh, too often we we skip over uh, the physical or the relational needs that we have, and we go straight to the spiritual. And so we read this verse as saying, man doesn't need bread, only God. That's not what the verse says. Man lives by bread, but not bread alone. And then we'll qualify this sum in, in, in a minute. We could say that bread is necessary, right? but not sufficient for the life of man. Right? When we deny our appetite for things like food, or community, or, or, or even beauty, we're really denying our humanity. And we end up stunting our spiritual maturity as well. When you think, when you think of yourself, right, when you think, do, do, do you consider yourself a needy creature? Do, do you see your utter dependence that you couldn't live and you certainly couldn't thrive without having many daily needs met in some way or another? Well, sometimes we deny our neediness, but sometimes we actually, we, we take things that aren't needs and turn them into needs, right? We, we turn wants into needs. You know, there are many things that we call needs that just aren't needs. Uh, oftentimes we say we need a new phone or we need a certain job or we need a certain spouse when what we're really saying is, I want those things, right? I want. Uh, there's a line somewhere between want and need, isn't there? Uh, parents face this line every day because children are always trying to cross it. But we're all trying to cross it. Uh, we all try to take things in the world that we want and we say, oh, I, I, I need it. Sometimes we manufacture needs. I mean, addictions are a kind of felt need, aren't they, right? You, you feel like you need this thing. We feel like we need something that we shouldn't need. And yet our body may need it in some sense in order to avoid withdrawal. But it's not an intrinsic need. It's just this manufactured thing that we've created in our hearts. So, so sometimes we deny our neediness. Sometimes we, we turn things that we don't need. We manufacture needs. Uh, but other times we think that the world is all we need. Right? That this is it. Everything that I need is in this thing. Have you ever had some physical need or some physical want and thought, if only I had this, then I would be happy. Right? If only I had this thing, then life would be good. And you pray for it like crazy. right? Because if I just get it, then everything's going to be great. Maybe that thing's a, a new computer. Maybe it's a, a certain toy or a pet. Uh, maybe it's getting into a certain program. Or, or, or playing a certain game or watching a certain movie or achieving a certain accomplishment or climbing the corporate ladder to a certain place. Right? We say, if only I could get this thing, then everything is going to be good. I'll never want for anything again. Well, sometimes you actually get that thing and it simply doesn't live up to your expectations, does it? Or sometimes you get it and you're happy with it for a time until something else comes along and that becomes the next thing that you need and you gotta have if you're going to live. Sometimes God withholds it. He just doesn't even give it to you. Why does he do that? Well, maybe it's to show you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, what do you crave? What do you hunger for? What do you long to to feed your body and soul with? What do you long to to feed your mind and your heart and your emotions with? What, What are the desires of your heart focused on? We have lots of worldly needs. We do. We have even more wants, right? But those are not what give us life. So what do we do? What do we need to have life? This is what Jesus says, isn't it? Matthew 4, 4. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need God's word. First, we we need God's sovereign word, right? By sovereign, I just mean his powerful, uh, his his in-control word, that, that God's word that makes things happen, particularly God's word as it gives us life. You know, this theme of God's word, of course, giving life, begins in the beginning, doesn't it? In the very beginning, God spoke. He said words. He said, let there be light. And there was light, right? God's word gives life. We see God speak and things happen. Uh, Psalm 33 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. There would be no existence apart from the sovereign word of God. None. Nothing would exist had God not spoken it into being. And yet God also sustains all things by his word. Right? God commands the sun to rise every morning according to Job. Psalm 147 says, "He sends out his command to the earth, the word, his word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, he scatters frost like ashes, he hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow." You see, God's word sustains and directs the universe. Now, the problem is we see these things, again, as as merely mechanical. But behind even natural processes, the natural processes of life, stands the word of God, which maintains all things. God is working. You know, Calvin uh, says of these words that um, these words of Jesus about living by the word, that they apply not, interestingly enough, uh, Calvin says, that they don't apply to our spiritual needs, which we will talk about in a minute, but that these, these words apply only to our physical needs. Calvin says, though we live on bread, we must not ascribe the support of life to the power of bread, but to the secret kindness by which God imparts to bread the quality of nourishing our bodies. See, he's saying we need God to bless the use of bread if it is to benefit us. Again, we we think of this as pretty mechanical. I eat, I'm satisfied and done. But scripture gives a more nuanced view, doesn't it? About, About life in general. I mean, Psalm 127 says that all the physical effort and exertion that you could make is in vain apart from God's blessing. You know, you go to work every day. You work hard all day long and you may have nothing to show for it or you may have much to show for it. But you'll have nothing if God is not blessing your work. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 says that we can eat and drink and put on clothes and still end up hungry and thirsty and cold. Because if God is not blessing those physical means, they will be unproductive for us. See, God has given means, uh, the means of food to fill our bellies, but, but God must bless that means if it is actually to do its job. And what this shows is really how dependent we are on God every day and how pervasive God's blessing is. Everyone who eats and has their fill has God's blessing twice over, don't they? They have food and they have the blessing of that food so that it nourishes their bodies. The very laws of, of, of science that, that govern the way my body digests food and, and take nutrients it, those laws are governed by God's Word. If my body is to gain nourishment from bread, it's not simply by the laws of science but by the word of God upholding those laws. In fact, uh, uh, one author, Vern Poitras, in his book Redeeming Science," which I would highly recommend to everyone, um, if you're willing to, to work through it, because it's it's weighty. But uh, Vern Poythress in Redeeming, Redeeming Science, he draws the logical conclusion, and this is what he says. He says the real laws of science are in are in fact the word of God. Let's think about that for a second. The real laws of science are in fact the word of God, specifying how the world of creatures is to function. So-called law is simply God speaking, God acting, God manifesting himself in time and space. What people call scientific law is divine. We are speaking of God himself and his revelation of himself through his governance of the world. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying if any scientific law accurately reflects the state of things, the reality, then that law was set up by God to govern the world. That law is the law, the command, the word of God for reality. So man does not live by bread alone, but by God's sovereign word of providence to use that bread to fill our bellies, to nourish our bodies. Calvin actually goes further than this, though, uh, because while bread requires God's blessing to work, God's blessing does not require bread. So that for Jesus, who's in the wilderness, who hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights because the Spirit, remember, sent him to the wilderness, so he's there by God's appointment, he can trust God to care for his his body even apart from food when necessary. So he's driven into the wilderness and he's trusting God's miraculous sustenance. He's trusting God to sustain him apart from means. And so uh, Calvin again says, he says, Although bread sustains man's life, still this support would be too weak unless the hidden power of God occupied the first place. And he goes on to say, even if bread and wine fail, if we don't have these things, our bodies may be sustained and invigorated by God's will alone. See, the command of God to sustain is enough, even if outward means themselves fail. And so whether through means or apart from means, we need God's sovereign word to sustain us day by day. Now, God has given us means, and, so, and we should use them, right? But there are times when those means fail, and yet we still trust God in those times to care for us. Well, we not only need God's sovereign word to sustain us, but we would also need God's living word to redeem us. Jesus is the living Word of God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as our words are, are representations of our thoughts, Jesus, the Word, as the Son of God, is the exact representation of his Father. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. As our words go out from us into the world, Jesus, the Word, goes forth from the Father into the world. Jesus says the living word, of course, means, is the means through which God does those other things that we just talked about. The Bible says that God created and sustains all things through Jesus. So uh, uh, John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that has been made. The living word is the means through which God created the world. Colossians 1 says, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through and for him. And then it goes on to say, in him, all things hold together. See, Jesus providentially, Jesus providentially sustains the universe. Hebrews 1.3, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So Jesus is the one who, who keeps the genuine laws of science constant, right? He's the one that upholds the world. The universe works because he holds it together. Jesus, the living word, created all things, sustains all things, and everything that exists, exists by his word, the word of Jesus. We need him to sustain our bodily existence. And you think about this, have you ever thanked Jesus uh, for not allowing your atoms to fly off into space today? I mean, we, you know, we, we, don't, we don't think like that, but, but we should, right? If he's upholding the universe by the word of his power, right, then the only reason we are here right now It's because Jesus is willing us to be here right now because he's upholding us by his word. But of course, there's more, right? Uh, Man is not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The living word came into the world and tabernacled among us to redeem us. And so he not only created us, he not only sustains us, but he also came to redeem us. Jesus comes to defeat sin in our place, do you know how much you need that? Uh, do you have a hunger for redemption? A hunger for Jesus? Think about the effects of sin in our lives, right? I mean, just I'll, I'll list a couple. Think about, think about first sin's guilt and condemnation, right? That's the most obvious. Uh, it, it's what we think of most often when we think of the word sin, right? We think of guilt, we think of condemnation. Well, sin's guilt breaks our communion with our Father in heaven. And by guilt here, I don't mean uh, not feeling guilty, right? But I mean being guilty. Uh, When a judge pronounces someone guilty, he's not making a pronouncement on how that person feels, right? He's making a pronouncement on on the objective status of that person. And real objective guilt breaks communion with our Father. This is our, our greatest need, isn't it? Our need for reconciliation to our Father in heaven, the God of heaven and earth. We need to be reconciled. Sin's condemnation means an eternity in hell, forever. Following our need for reconciliation, right, is our need for forgiveness, for, for mercy instead of judgment. Sin's guilt and condemnation, of course, have, they have psychological effects, don't we? Uh, because of our sin, because of our guilt, we often have a sense of self-loathing, right? Because we know what's going on in our hearts. Even if everybody in here doesn't, right? We can't see your heart, but you know your heart. And you know the things that are going on inside there. And very often we live under the weight of guilt, under this sense of self-loathing. We're suffering under the, the misery of a guilty conscience. And we live our lives trying to prove ourselves, right? Trying to, trying to gain approval or gain respect or gain status. And maybe that's through keeping the right rules and maybe it's through accomplishment in our careers. Maybe it's through rep, or, or building a reputation as a great parent or a great student or a great employee, Whatever the case, we're, we're trying to show our value, show our worth. Right? Why? Why are we always trying to do that? Because we live with this uh, self-loathing, guilty conscience. We know our hearts, even if nobody else does. And those, that conscience condemns us every step of the way, and so we're constantly trying to quiet it. I find myself being so busy, busy, hungering after other things, hungering and, and trying to build a reputation with the world that I'm not hungry for the acceptance that's been offered by Christ. We need Jesus. We need Jesus, the living word, to remove sin's guilt and condemnation. We need Jesus as well uh, to, to remove sin's enslaving power. Again, do you, do you ever do something and immediately regret it? Do you ever wonder why you did something so wrong? Or, 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 or do you have certain behaviors or certain habits that you wish you could stop, but no matter how hard you try, you, you just can't give it up? Or maybe if you're really self-aware, maybe one day you realize that your whole life has been driven by something that doesn't really matter. You've been chasing after something, popularity or pleasure or possessions or power, right? Through, through work or through your relationships or through sex or through money. And you realize that you don't really need these things, but you must have them. And you realize that you're driven by this desire that just won't go away. You just can't shut it up. We're slaves by nature to sin, the Bible says, because of the fall. We're we're slaves to these out-of-control desires of our hearts. They may be desires for good things that have gotten out of control. It may be a desire for a bad thing that has gotten in control. But either way, we're compulsively driven, every one of us. Maybe a desire for something good, right? Like living a peaceful and quiet life. Maybe a desire for respectability. Maybe a desire for order. But some desire rules your heart. For me, it's so many of those things that I can't even list them all, right? Desire for uh, reputation or desire for control or the desire for comfort. Every one of those takes over my heart at different points in time. And rather than serving Jesus, I end up serving my desires. But I need Jesus. I need Jesus, the living word, to free me from sin's power more and more. To break the power of reigning sin and to give me life. We need Jesus to free us from sin's guilt and condemnation. We need Jesus to free us from sin's enslaving power. And we need Jesus to free us from sin's curse. I mean, we live in a world that's fallen. Fallen from what God intended it to be because of human rebellion. And, you know, Fights with your roommates or the common cold that won't go away or snowstorms that claim the lives of many people. Broken relationships or broken bodies or a hostile world, a disorder, disease, and death, all of these are signs that there's something wrong with the world. That we live in a world that has been cursed because of sin. These are in the world because of sin. Human death is not natural. We need Jesus, the living word, to come and defeat death for us. Of course, this is what Jesus did, isn't it? He he took our guilt upon himself. He became sin for us. He perfectly fought against sin's enslaving power. He always did what pleased the Father. He went to the cross and died, suffering the full effects of the curse in our place. There on the cross, he took the wrath of God, the curse, the condemnation for our guilt. He died, he went into the grave, and then he rose. He rose. And in the resurrection, we see a picture of what restoration to the Father really looks like because there in the resurrection, we see sin's curse being removed. Death is removed in Jesus. And the removal of the curse, of course, demonstrates the removal of the condemnation that brought the curse, which means the removal of the guilt that brought the condemnation. The resurrection shows that all of this has been removed in Jesus, who had borne it in our place. And so, if we hunger for freedom from sin, sin's guilt, sin's power, sin's curse, we're hungering for Jesus, the living word. Do you hunger for freedom? Are, are you weighed down by a guilty conscience or a sense of shame? Do you feel your need to change but feel impotent to make that change? Do you feel the weight of the fallenness of life? Do you, do you hunger for, for freedom, again, from guilt or from compulsion or from disorder or from disease or from death? Do you hunger for those things? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need God's sovereign word to sustain us. We need God's living word to redeem us. And finally, we need God's written word to renew us. God works through means. God works through means. Jesus has accomplished all of this stuff that we've just talked about. How do we receive it? How does it become ours? We receive it through God's means of grace. We need God's written word because we have a need of grace. God's written word points us to the grace, to his grace in Jesus. Are you hungry? Do you have an appetite for God's word? Do you long to find grace in the scriptures? You know, too often, uh, when we don't read the Bible, we we respond like this, either to ourselves or to other people, we say, oh, I feel so guilty, I didn't read the Bible today. I'm such a bad Christian. Well, what we should be saying is not, oh, I feel so guilty, I didn't read the Bible today, but but I'm so hungry, I didn't read the Bible today. When you miss a meal, you don't say, I feel guilty, I missed breakfast today. I've never heard anybody say that. But I have heard people say, oh, I'm so hungry, I missed breakfast today. I'm so hungry, right? I'm so hungry. I didn't feast on grace this morning. So my soul is hungry. And when we don't eat, we get physically weak. When we don't feast on, on, on Jesus through the word, we get spiritually weak, spiritually hungry. Of course, the problem is, you know, when I, when I get up in the morning, I've developed an appetite for everything but God's word. And so I, I check my email, right? Or I look at anybody who texted me after I went to bed la- last night, right? Or, or I update the app on my phone or on my computer, right? Or, or I try to get right to work on all the things I need to get done today. See, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for glory. I'm hungry for, for the wrong glory. I'm hungry for the glory of this world. I'm hungry for my, the glory of my own accomplishment. And so I dive into those things rather than diving into God's word. We were made to experience God's glory. We were made to long for it. We were made to hunger for it, to have an appetite for his glory above all else. But we daily try to satisfy this longing with the glories of the world, but they're never enough. They will not satisfy. They cannot sustain you. Well, we have communion with God and and feast on his glory when we come to him through Jesus. And we find Jesus in the scriptures by the blessing of God's spirit. Are you hungry? Feast yourself on Jesus, the living word of our great God. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess how much we need you. We need you to sustain us. We need you to uh, redeem us. We need you to renew us day by day. We We need your word. We need to feast on it. Father, give us that hunger. Give us an appetite for the scriptures. Give us an appetite for Jesus as he's found in the scriptures. Give us an appetite for you, Father, for your word. And then feed us. Feed us on Jesus that we would be full. That we would begin to reflect your glory to the world and that we would take that food, that precious food that we have of your word, and we would take it and we would offer it to, a, to a, a malnourished and a starving world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.